Nehemiah, and we're going to jump back into verse number one, uh, or chapter number one, as we make our way back into our text. Nehemiah, uh, well, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah both, uh, we have chapter and verse divisions in our passages of scriptures and, uh, and uh, different books of the Bible, but uh, used to be uh, before uh, this version uh, was translated, Ezra and Nehemiah were kind of all one, uh, one group uh, of scriptures. Uh, and uh, we've been preaching about Ezra uh, and looking at uh, the building of the temple. And so we look from Cyrus and Cyrus giving this decree, telling them to go and do this. Uh, and then straight away uh, there was some opposition, but they got the temple built. Uh, and we preached about that recently. And then uh, we, we didn't really get into Ezra himself, but 60 years after that, uh, Ezra shows up on the scene. Artaxerxes sent him. Uh, to, to preach. He was, of course, a, an expert on the Torah uh, and uh, to preach. Uh, and we read about that at the, the last several chapters of the book of Ezra. And God was doing a, a great work. And uh, so Nehemiah uh, was uh, not uh, in the first group of people that went over. So he was an Israelite uh, official uh, who was serving the king of Persia. And in chapter number one, uh, and we won't read all of it for sake of time, but uh, you can read in chapter number one the prayer uh, that he had. Uh, he was confronted. Let's look at verse number one. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, uh, the palace, that Hanani, uh, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And so they give a report of all that was taking place. Uh, the temple had been rebuilt, but there was still a lot of difficulty. And uh, they, the city itself was not fortified. There were uh, many, many breaches uh, in the walls that had not been repaired. Chapter number two, uh, it gives us the time again. And it came to pass uh, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes. And by the way, we think of uh, reading the Bible uh, and coming across uh, these types of verses where it's giving names of people, uh, times of the year or that, that time of the month, all of those are significant. There's not one jot or one tittle in the Word of God that's not in there for some reason. So always uh, fight the urge, if you will, to skip over those things like they're in there as filler uh, because there aren't. It really puts together for us uh, a sequence of events. He says in verse number two, Wherefore the king said unto me, says, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Uh, and he says, Then I was so afraid. So, uh, you know, back in those days, you didn't go into the king's presence uh, and really have uh, woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Uh, you know, you, you put a smile on and whatever. And so he says, Why are you so sad uh, and you're not sick? Meaning if you're not, you don't have any reason really to be sad. Uh, if you're not feeling ill, uh, and, uh, and he was afraid uh, for um, his life uh, because he was in the presence uh, of the king. Uh, and he said unto the king, verse 3, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? And, uh, and I won't preach this today, but I think this is a wonderful example of what we should do. Uh, he's before the king. The king says, what do you need? Uh, and he it says, so I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king. I prayed unto the God of heaven, and I said unto the king. Here's what we often do. 
we, we skip the whole prayer part. Uh, we, just, uh, we just make our request, we just say what needs to be said. And there, by the way, there's a, there's a time and place for everything. And, uh, and uh, our speech needs to be always with grace and seasoned with salt. We need to be uh, tender and compassionate, have all the virtues as a Christian that we should have. Uh, but there, we need to say what needs to be said. But if we, if we tempered all of that with prayer, uh, I think that would be a, a great idea he says, and I said unto the king, if it please the king, and if, I find, uh, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. So uh, we, we know that he makes this request. Uh, and again, to save a little bit of time, Artaxerxes grants him the request uh, and then sends him back. And, uh, and Nehemiah asks of the king letters. And so we read about that in uh, verse 7. Uh, if it please the king, uh, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river. Uh, and, and if you think about the time frame, back in Ezra, when they're building the temple, uh, there was a lot of confusion about uh, if they had permission or not to do uh, what God uh, had told them to do. So he says, give me letters that I can give to the governors. And then also uh, that I can give to the keepers of the king's forest in verse number eight, uh, that they would get timbers and beams and all those things that were there. Verse nine, then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains uh, of the army and the horsemen with me. Now, uh, we, we know that as we referenced in last week, that God uh, will uh, turn the hearts of kings. So we pray for leaders. And by the way, I, I prayed for uh, I pray for presidents I agree with, uh, and I pray for presidents I don't agree with. Because uh, the, the Word of God uh, tells us we need to do so, and all authority is given by inspiration of God. So it's safe for me to say that uh, when, uh, of course, I'm a conservative, and so uh, all that goes with all of that, uh, but, um, but I trusted God uh, during um, uh, eight years of Obama, uh, and I trust God during times with Trump, I trusted God during the times with Clinton uh, and on and on and on. God is in control. Uh, and when somebody is elected, and you can think about all the hanging chads uh, and uh, this, you know, that and the other, um, the, all authority is given by God. And whoever is in the White House at any given time is there for some reason uh, that God has that we're not really privy to. Uh, so all of us should take comfort in the fact that, and that not be an excuse not to vote or whatever, all right? We live in Washington State, uh, and, uh, and with all of uh, uh, the politics and everything else, uh, it can be, uh, you can feel disenfranchised, especially on the national uh, you know, level, because uh, there hasn't been one electoral college vote cast for Republicans since Reagan. Uh, but there's, there's uh, registration forms on the back table for you to vote, all right? Um, just because God is in control doesn't relinquish our responsibility to do those different things. So, so God uses kings and princes and men, politicians, uh, you and I, uh, to fulfill His plan uh, and His glory. Uh, and, uh, and we trust Him for uh, all of that. And when we don't understand uh, uh, what's going on, uh, we, we have faith and we have trust. We have the peace that comes from that. Uh, and then we sing the songs like we sang this morning, uh, looking for a time when we can all get to heaven and what a day, glorious day that will be. Lord, uh, come quickly. And there are days I wake up and I turn on the news and I'm like, Lord, please today, come back today. Uh, and, uh, but if he doesn't come back, that means we occupy till he comes. 
and we live out our life uh, for him. So uh, the, uh, he got letters from Artaxerxes, the authority, and so they supplied. Not only did he give him the request, but then supplied to him what he needed to fulfill that. Uh, and he shows up, verse number 10 uh, of chapter number 2, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So what had taken place was, as, the, as Jerusalem uh, had been destroyed and uh, they're rebuilding the temple, etc., there are all kinds of nations that had uh, taken up residence in the area uh, and, uh, and they didn't think it was cool uh, that, uh, that Israel is going to come back and rebuild uh, the city. Uh, so he arose, Nehemiah, uh, in the middle of the night, and he went around, and he's looking at all the different breaches uh, that were in the wall. Verse 12, When I rose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man that my, uh, what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, neither was there any beast with me. So on foot they go by, and they're checking, uh, and they give a list of places where they stopped and took a look uh, at what was going on. Verse 17, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that had, he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Now, uh, that's good news. Uh, that's what needed to take place and uh, as we read in this story. But immediately when they began to do so, uh, opposition um, reared its ugly head. Verse 19, But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite and uh, Geshem the Arabian heard of it, they laughed us to scorn. This thing that you do, will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build but ye have no portion, uh, no right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, even when you read back into Ezra 60 or so years prior to that, uh, there were even amongst the people of Judah, uh, grandchildren that weren't over in uh, Babylon, and etc., uh, that were, they said, hey, uh, you're not going to, in Ezra and Nehemiah, both of those are just, they're weird books. Uh, and they are anticlimactic in a number of ways when you get to, a, you read about this and you think this is going to happen, then something weird happens. Uh, and, then, then another, and then Ezra comes and you think, man, things are great, and then something weird happens. And the same thing with Nehemiah. I mean, the wheels came off. And as we read chapter number four, when we get there and look at these, these principles, um, I want to jump a little bit ahead uh, because uh, I think it's important in Nehemiah chapter number 13, if you go there to the end of the book, uh, Nehemiah, most of what we read about him, building a wall, all that's great. Standing up, he prayed, had a heart for God uh, in rebuilding his city. But Nehemiah, he was a mess. All right. Uh, and, uh, all, and, and by the way, uh, we're going to read that the walls were built. We're going to read uh, that God uh, sends revival uh, and, uh, and God's doing a work. Uh, but then just like every other time we read in this history, uh, at some point, it just, goes, it just goes back. So I want you to think about, um, you know, right now, churches, uh, they're, trying to, they're trying to rebuild. Churches are trying to take a stand. Uh, and as much as we, we stand for that and push for that, 
uh, and rally around that and get in church, at some point the pressure of the world will be off uh, and, and Christian people in churches will return to the apathy that they had before all this took place. And we have a perfect example. And it bothered Nehemiah. Uh, and uh, Nehemiah, let me just say this before I read these verses. Uh, if Nehemiah was a local New Testament Baptist church pastor, uh, this church would be empty if, if he was the pastor here. And most of these guys that we read about uh, in the Bible, uh, they're, just, uh, they're just characters. And so uh, he, uh, the, the book of uh, Moses is read and people are doing right. Uh, but then he finds out uh, that, uh, verse number four, that Eliashib, the priest, had made a chamber in the house of God for Tobiah. And this wasn't something that should be done. Uh, and uh, the Bible says that it grieved him sore, that he cast, he cast forth all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. You've seen it on YouTube or whatever. Uh, some, uh, some ladies upset her husband and she's chucking all the stuff out the window uh, onto the street in front of their house. So, so Nehemiah finds out that Tobiah's got a house uh, and uh, a chamber in the house of God. And so he flips out and he just starts chucking all of Tobiah's stuff. It grieved him. And then he commanded and he cleansed it uh, and he contended, verse number 11, uh, and, uh, and just on and on. Uh, and so what had taken place, they just started going back to all their old stuff. They were, they were working on the Sabbath and they had on the walls that they had rebuilt, they had set up shops uh, and, uh, and commerce, and that wasn't, that wasn't God's plan. That wasn't his goal. And so he went in and contended with them and cleaned house, and kicked them all out uh, off of the wall, and then they set up shop outside the wall uh, and began to continue to sell their things. Uh, and, uh, and here's what he said in verse number 21. He says, he says, Then I testified against them and said to them, Why lodge ye about the wall? If you do so again, I'll lay hands on you. That's what he said. He says, he said you, I kicked you off the wall, and so why are you setting up around the wall? And if you continue, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay hands on you. That means I'm going to knock you out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backhand you or whatever. Uh, that was really uh, what uh, was, uh, he was saying. He says, I'll lay hands on you. And then he goes on, verse number 22, and I commanded the Levites that they could cleanse themselves, that they should keep, come and keep the, the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O oh my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of my mercy. And we find Nehemiah saying this uh, over and over again. He says, God, uh, um, help me, I tried. Um, remember me, uh, I, I, I tried to, uh, to do the right thing. Uh, and, uh, and one of the problems was uh, that the, the people that had come back uh, from, from exile uh, to uh, their land uh, began to marry nations and things that they shouldn't. Ashdod and Ammon and Moab. Uh, and, uh, and the Bible says in verse 24, And their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod, uh, could not speak in the language of the Jews. And it says, I contended with them and cursed them and smote certain of them uh, and plucked off their hair and made them sore. So he, he flipped out on them, contended with them, uh, and, uh, and uh, pulled out their hair uh, and smacked them around. All right. Uh, so can you imagine <laughs> uh, the, you know, uh, a preacher behaving like that uh, in 2020? Well, obviously, no. Uh, but men back then uh, and, and how they dealt with things. And by the way, uh, there's not a, there's not a, a, a 14th chapter uh, in the book of Nehemiah uh, where all the children of Israel complained about the behavior of Nehemiah. Uh, that we don't find in the Bible. So you let that soak in uh, for just a minute, uh, and, uh, and that'll help you. Back into chapter number 3. 
Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, verse number one, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. And we have a list of all the different families and uh, different tribes that took up places on the wall and began to fix all the breaches. Uh, so, for example, the fish gate, verse number three, uh, the fish gate did the sons of uh, Asana build, whom uh, also laid the beams thereof and set the doors thereon and the locks thereof and the bars thereof. And, uh, and this family did this, and uh, this next one went to this spot, uh, and we read about all those. Verse 12, and the next unto him repaired Shalem, the son of uh, Halanesh, the ruler of half part of Jerusalem. He and his daughters, his daughters uh, were out there rebuilding the wall. Uh, families doing the work, and they're just getting at it. The valley gate's repaired. The dung uh, uh, gate is repaired uh, in a list of all those all the way through chapter number three. Then we get to chapter number four. Uh, but it came to pass, verse one, that when Sanballat heard uh, that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they built, if a fox go up. So basically they're mocking the Jews. What are these, what are these Jews, these feeble Jews, uh, going to do? Uh, and uh, and he, we find uh, getting down into our text, verse number 4, and he prays. This is the first thing. Uh, when opposition comes that we as children of God should do. He says in verse 4, he says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey uh, in the land of captivity and cover not their iniquity. Now, when he prayed, remember now, this is Nehemiah. This is, this is uh, uh, the, the brawler Nehemiah, the, the hair-pulling uh, Nehemiah. Uh, and so it, God gives us these accounts in Scripture, uh, but he also shows in many ways the humanity uh, of uh, his messengers there. And so he's praying, uh, he's praying to God, uh, but he's also, he's also praying that God would take care of the enemies. Uh, and we know in the New Testament, uh, God says that uh, we, vengeance is his. Vengeance is mine. I will repay it, saith the Lord. Uh, we're to do good unto our enemies. And, uh, and God qualifies those things. It's not an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, through grace and, and the help of God, we're to respond to those things a little bit differently back then. And I just, I just love reading these because guys would go in, they would just preach, uh, and, uh, and if they didn't turn, they'd take them down to the river and slay them. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, a little bit different uh, than what we have going on uh, today. So he prayed, but he's also praying that God would blot them out. Uh, and, uh, and, and he says, because they provoked you uh, to anger. Verse number nine, nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night uh, because of them. So what do we do uh, when, when opposition comes? What do we do uh, when a, uh, a local government, a county government says you can't have church or, uh, or you can't do this? My first response to all that is... Uh, you know, no, you can't tell us what to do. How about this one? You said it when you were a kid. You're not the boss of me. Uh, no, uh, you don't have the authority. And we've talked about uh, our rights uh, under the Constitution, uh, our God-given, uh, the declarations of God and His commands. Uh, and so the first response is to me, no, uh, that is overreach. You're overstepping. You do not have the authority to do that. No, no, no. Uh, and, uh, and here's all the things. We're, we're just going to have church. Uh, we're going to do things. Uh, and, and that's the response. But uh, there have been a lot of pastors who have done that and they've not prayed. 
um, our first response needs to be to pray. Uh, by the way, whether it's opposition, whether it's a difficult uh, uh, time you're having at work, or it could be uh, your marriage or your children, uh, our first recourse in everything in our life uh, is to pray to God. Uh, and by the way, listen for a response. And, and uh, let me also say this. There have been pastors during this pandemic uh, who have prayed uh, and made the decision not to have church. Uh, that's completely uh, on you know, their prerogative. And, uh, and they'll say that you know, uh, we prayed and they had the peace of God uh, about it. And, uh, and it, kind of, it kind of flies in the face of Scripture in a lot of ways. But, uh, but it's just like, um, you know, hey, they're going to do what they feel God wants them to do. We're going to do what, God, uh, uh, what we feel God wants us to do. And that's just how it goes. But praying is what they did. They prayed uh, uh, for uh, their enemies. They prayed that God uh, would, would do a work, and we read about that expedient uh, there in verses 4 and 9. But they also were vigilant. Notice what it says in uh, verse number 9 again. It says, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night uh, because of them. Uh, I, I focused on that word at the beginning comments, nevertheless. Um, there are, you know... Um, we don't know what's going to take place in November. Nevertheless, we need to obey God and do what God calls us. So if, if they say, uh, you know, uh, there's this and that, there's this law, whatever. Uh, nevertheless, we pray to God uh, and we stay vigilant in doing. So they prayed, uh, but they also um, didn't ignore. Uh, faith does not ignore the use of obvious means. They put feet to their prayer. They didn't just say, well, I guess we just need to pray and then every, pray that everything just works out. No. Uh, they had learned from examples and their, uh, their, uh, the people even 60, 70 years prior to that uh, that they built a wall, they did it, uh, and no one could cause them to cease. And it doesn't matter if it's Sanballat or Tobiah or the Arabians, whoever it was, uh, they're going to come uh, and, uh, and give us a hard time. Uh, and we read about that in verse number 7. But it came to pass that when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabians, and the Ammonites, and the Ashdites heard that the walls uh, of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, uh, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come in and to fight against Jerusalem uh, and to hinder it. Uh, there's bad news. Hey, uh, they're coming. Don't you know uh, that if you continue this, this is what is going to be uh, the consequence? Nevertheless, uh, they prayed uh, and they set a watch. So they, they heard, uh, as we read a little bit further, uh, that uh, their adversaries were coming. Verse number 10, And Judah said, Thy strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, uh, and there is much rubbish uh, so that we're not able to build the wall. Uh, let me say this. Uh, they, had, they had adversaries from without. Um, the uh, Ammonites and the Arabians, the Ashdites and uh, that whole crowd. People that were fighting them uh, from the world. The picture is from the outside. But they had problems within. And part of the problems that they were having within is that they're saying, Judah was saying this, that, that we don't have the strength to do this. Uh, and the burdens uh, are, uh, uh, the bears of burdens is decayed and there's much rubbish. Uh, and, and by the way, it was just uh, if, uh, probably a sense of overwhelm. When, when I see on the news, uh, as I have, you know, multiple times in my life, a hurricane that goes through or a tornado that goes through and the devastation that it does to, to properties. Uh, and, uh, and you just wonder, how, how is it? I've never lived in a community that's had to rebuild after a disaster like that. I just never have. 
Can you imagine that? Uh, in just uh, uh, the necessities of life and electricity and just all these different things and like where they go and how they do that and just the piles and piles of rubbish before they can even rebuild anything. They've got to get all of that stuff out of the way. Uh, and to me, it just seems like an impossible thing. But that's what they were saying. There's just, there's just so much rubbish. There's so much in the way. How are we going to do that? And not only that, our adversaries, verse 11, and our adversaries said, uh, they shall not know whether, they, whether see till we come in the midst of them uh, and slay them and cause the work to cease. So, so word had gotten to them uh, that uh, this has taken place and their adversaries are coming and they're going to sneak in and they're going to they're shut them down, cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dealt by them, verse number 12, came, they said unto us ten times, from all places whence we, uh, ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. It says there's people everywhere. Every, they're coming from everywhere. Uh, and uh, therefore, I set in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters and wives and your houses. So not only did they pray to God, not only were they vigilant and set the watch, uh, but they had hope. Uh, and that hope was in God, said, be not afraid. And I don't know how many messages I've preached since uh, March uh, that have dealt with God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. Uh, that God is in control, uh, that we shouldn't fear what man can do un, unto us, that we need to obey God uh, rather than man, that God is for us. And, uh, and if God is for us, then who can be against us? I mean, time after time after time. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, but you'd think that, uh, that we haven't read that in the Bible or heard that message preached because we live uh, like we don't have any hope, like it's just hopeless. Like what, like what can we do? Uh, and, and you can, it's very easy for you to feel like, uh, like, uh, like there's nothing that you can, how, how can you affect change or, or, or how can you um, uh, uh, prosper and, uh, and go forward uh, in the day? But the Bible says, be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters and your houses. Verse 15, and it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught that return all of us to the wall, everyone to his work. And we read down in the story, and of course they were building, uh, and uh, some had a, a, you know, a, a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other hand, uh, and, uh, and they got to doing what God would have them to do, uh, and they said that our God shall fight for us. Uh, they persevered in the work, and they finished the work. But I want you to notice in verse number 15, and I'm almost done. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought it to their brought their counsel to not that we return all of us to the wall everyone everyone uh, unto his work everybody had a job to do uh, and uh, but there is a they said we they found out the enemies found out that we were that they were onto them uh, and uh, that God had brought their counsel to not here's they tried everything they tried to join. Uh, they tried to reason. They threatened them. Uh, hey, you don't have authority. Uh, we're going we're gonna to come and we're going to kill you. Uh, and, uh, and there was time after time after time. Uh, and uh, here's what they said. But the scriptures say that God had brought their counsel to naught and they returned to their work. And that's uh, really ultimately what we need to do uh, today. So what is that? Um, 
I feel like much of what uh, is going on uh, in our cities and whatever, um, that there's a, there's a purpose and a plan that I don't understand. Um, and uh, there are so many voices uh, fighting against the house of God. And even still, um, you know, uh, it's like they have a, the news would say uh, a convention's going to be a super spreader, uh, and then they praise marches on Washington. Um, so many mixed messages. Uh, and uh, do this and do that. I've, there have been people who are non-Christians who have been imploring Christians to love their neighbors uh, and, and trying to guilt trip uh, Christians because they want to do right by quoting verses like that in Romans chapter number 13 and other types of things. Uh, but God has turned their counsel to naught. Uh, we understand what is going on. We know the counsel, the word of God, and all the advice and all the things and, and all, the, all the ways that people have been trying to stop uh, houses of God uh, from worship, worshiping, uh, that God has brought that, uh, and they return everyone to his work. Uh, it's my goal as pastor here uh, to, as we, you know, to get you through this pandemic, but I want this church to be intact. One, uh, I read this statistic the other day, one out of five churches uh, will be closed down for good uh, at the end of all this mess. Um, I was thinking about the, the church we're praying for, made mention of uh, uh, them last week, and uh, they, they're not having Bible college classes this year because the government's going to fine them $5,000 a day if they have in-class um, learning. Um, they, they lost uh, in tuition and other types of costs at the end of last year. Uh, uh, nearly a million dollars. Um, they can't afford, they're, tr- they're having church today, but they're being uh, penalized $5,000 for Sunday morning, $5,000 for Sunday night, $5,000 for Wednesday night when they have revival meetings, $5,000 a night uh, when they've got that and they just can't afford uh, to. But this is a church that has a pretty big base uh, and uh, a larger church that would seemingly be able to support uh, some of these things. But, but Christian Bible colleges don't have billion-dollar endowments that are going to get them through when they shut down. They just don't. And so Bible colleges, churches, one out of five, I don't know how accurate that statistic is, um, statistics and, uh, and polls and all those things, you always got to wonder. Uh, but um, it's a sad statistic. Uh, but what God's people need to do is they need to, they need to uh, realize what's going on uh, they need to uh, understand what the Word of God and what that, how that puts that counsel to naught. They need to return everyone to their work, be in their places, strengthen the wall, stand for what they believe in, uh, and, uh, and, and just and do what God wants us to do. Are there going to be consequences for that? Yes. Um, but that shouldn't deter us from obeying God. Unfortunately, it has uh, in many people. And I think that there are a lot of people that have missed uh, going to church for months that will never find themselves again uh, in a church post all this different stuff. I've, I've heard people say uh, when, when we get uh, the coronavirus under control uh, and uh, we find a vaccine, uh, on and on, uh, there's been vaccines for the flu and other things for a long time. Uh, the coronavirus is not going away. Uh, it will be there. Uh, it will not be eradicated. I just don't see any, you know, uh, science or whatever. It's just going to be there. So if you're not going to go to church till the coronavirus is gone, you're never going to go to church again. That, I mean, that's just the truth of the matter. 
I understand safety. I get all that kind of stuff. But um, at what point uh, do we, uh, we just begin to do what God uh, has called us to do? Every builder was a soldier. Uh, and uh, they, they, verse 17, they build it on the wall. They bear burdens. Uh, and uh, and they, they, they stood. In fact, it says uh, they didn't even change their clothes. Uh, they just worked around the clock and, and it describes a very uh, hard, uh, laborious time. Uh, and the Bible says in verse 21, So we labored in the work. Half of them held spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto this people, Let every one uh, with his servants lodge within Jerusalem, uh, that at night they may guard to us and labor on in the day. Probably wasn't a great time uh, to be a servant because you, uh, you worked during the day and you, and you had watch during the night. Uh, but the long and short of it is uh, they finished what God would have them to do. And then God sent a revival uh, and God blessed uh, but it took their faithfulness, their steadfastness uh, in, uh, in keeping uh, the will of God, uh, in the plan of God, uh, in obeying Him intact uh, at, the, at the threat, uh, multiple threats. And uh, from the uh, fears within, uh, they did what God had told them to do. And so how do, how, how do we handle opposition? We pray. Uh, we are vigilant. Uh, we hope in our God uh, and we persevere. That's how people did it. What should we do? How should we handle all this, Pastor? How do people handle it in the Bible? Uh, and uh, we read how they handled it uh, and, uh, and then uh, we, we do the same thing. Um, uh, there's not one pastor I know uh, that has led their church through a, 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 a health pandemic. That's all new. Um, and be, like, what do we do? Um, you just be faithful and just keep doing. And at some point, uh, prayerfully and hopefully, uh, God will work us through it. And if he doesn't, calls us out. Uh, like the songs we sang before, uh, that would be great. Uh, and, uh, but the worst thing that can happen to us is heaven. Uh, and, uh, and we need to make sure, uh, as Christians, we are faithful to God uh, in his word. Let's all stand with our heads bowed this morning and uh,